Welcome to the Thinking Practitioner Podcast. A podcast where we dig into the fascinating issues, conditions, and quandaries in the massage and manual therapy world today. I'm Whitney Lowe. And I'm Till Luca. Welcome, Welcome to, to the, the Thinking, Thinking Practitioner. Practitioner. And welcome to the Thinking Practitioner Podcast, where we are supported by ABMP, the Associated Body Work and Massage Professionals. ABMP membership gives professional practitioners like you a package including individual liability insurance, free continuing education, and quick reference apps, online scheduling, and payments with Pocket Suite, and much more. ABMP's CE courses, podcasts, and massage and bodywork magazine always feature expert voices and new perspectives in the profession, including from Till and myself. And thinking practitioner listeners can, of course, save on joining ABMP at abmp.com forward slash thinking. This show is also sponsored by the Academy of Clinical Massage, where our mission is to help you become a better practitioner working with pain and injury conditions. You know it is challenging to find high quality training in these areas in your location when you need it. And we bring you exceptional orthopedic massage training to the comfort of your home through our innovative online program. So you can learn anytime, anywhere, and immediately help your clients as much as possible. This year, we have completely revised all of our online orthopedic massage programs, and you can learn more about these programs at academyofclinicalmassage.com. I am delighted to uh, have uh, my good friend and colleague, Adrian Ast, with me today. Adrian, welcome to the Thinking Practitioner Podcast. Thanks for having me, Whitney. I'm so grateful that to be a guest on your uh, on your podcast, man. I listen all of the time. I love all of the guests you have, and I feel privileged to be here. Thank you. Wonderful. So, Adrian, for our listeners who uh, don't know you or are not familiar with you, tell me a little bit about who you are and what your role is, and um, and we'll jump into what we're going to be talking about today with your with your projects. Sure. So, uh, I've been a licensed massage therapist for about 22 and a half years. And, um, you know, kind of grew up in the education arm of our industry. I think that's how you and I first got acquainted, Whitney. And then, um, you know, right now I I have a full-time practice in Tucson, Arizona, um, and just, you know, really, really excited about kind of the the future of massage and the, the Massage Therapy Foundation, uh, was something that I was acutely aware of since, um, since school, since massage school, um, I think I think what happened was, um, you know, we used the trail guide to the body in our in our curriculum at the time, and and Books of Discovery, who publishes Trail Guide, um, you know, had had on one of their intro pages that they were a donor to the Massage Therapy Foundation. I think that's how I got introduced to it. Mm-hmm. And when I looked into it, I was like, oh, yeah, that's great. You know, the Massage Therapy Foundation sounds like a you know a really great organization and. I I feel like at that time, I viewed it as this, you know, this research entity, right, as, uh, you know, for for the profession. And, you know, when I graduated school and started working, I was, you know, just throwing a couple bucks towards the foundation since it's a nonprofit, thinking, you know, I'm not a researcher, I'm a clinician. So, Mm -hmm. you know, thanks, researchers, for doing that thing you do over there. And, Uh you know, here's a couple of bucks. Uh, and speaking of books of discovery, Tim Herbert actually was on the board of the foundation um, at the time that he reached out to me and asked if I could, um, if I would consider being a committee member for the community service grant review committee. Mm-hmm. Um, and and while I had checked out Massage Therapy Foundation, that part didn't stick out to me at the time. Um, so when I looked at it, I said, okay, yeah, this this is a great way for me to volunteer some time, which I wanted to do for the foundation, considering the prestige of the organization. 
Um, but, you know, considering myself not a researcher, I didn't know how. So this was a really great introduction for me, a really great foot in the door uh, to to give some of my my time um, because, you know, a dollar here and there, I didn't think was making that much of an impact. So I wanted to be a little bit more impactful. Um, so, so Tim Herbert asked me to be on the committee and being inside the organization, I got to see a little bit more about what the, what the foundation does. Um, so, you know, kind, kind of leading into, you know, you know, your listeners are really, um, the, the type of people that I think would benefit from the resources of the, the massage therapy foundation, right? So, so we are an organization, nonprofit organization. So we're a 501c3. And, and let me just interrupt for just a second and, yeah, and apologize sure. for my rudeness and not announcing your title so everybody knows why we're talking to you about this oh, because yes, you are the sure. president of the Massage Therapy Foundation. So I am. Um, I, I am. It's, I'm sure we'll get uh, there, but I, I just want to give that uh, that hint <laughs> at the outset there. Yeah. Go ahead. Thank you. Thank you. I'm, uh, you know, I feel really honored and, 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 privileged and blessed and all of the positive words that surround that to to be um, stewarding the vision of, of the foundation through this role and contributing to the industry in this way. You know, it's so essentially, you know, when you look at any nonprofit organization, you have a research component, you have a community service component, you have an education component, and that is that's no different uh, at the foundation. Um, but, you know, taking a step back and looking at the vision, we're looking at um, you know, making massage evidence informed and accessible to everyone. So, so if we can just keep that in the back of our minds throughout the our, the entire span of our careers, and maybe even beyond that, um, I think that is a really um, uh, beautiful vision for the the way that our industry can go. Um, and we can we can do that on a lot of levels. We can we have uh, we have a bunch of resources, which I'll get into uh, a little bit later in this podcast. Um, but also kind of this, you know, this community and collaboration of just moving the profession forward as a as a group of people and not just, you know, not just this little tiny organization over here, um, because, you know, the the foundation keeps its operating budget as small as possible in order to make those donated funds, um, you know, more towards our programming. Yeah. Get, tell tell our listeners a little bit about, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm kind of a research junkie. So, I mean, I've been delving into this kind of stuff for a long time and really see it obvious in, in the benefits for the work that I do. But for let's talk to the average clinician who's a practitioner out there doing their work every day in the clinic. How does this impact? How does research and the work of the foundation really impact that practitioner on a day-to-day -day basis? So, so we're, we try to take um, the research, not only that we do, but also the other types of touch and body work research that's happening across the world. And we make it into digestible information for the practitioner who's on the front lines to be able to um, see what's happening currently and adapt if they think they need to adapt um, their technique or um, or their their table side manner uh, mm -hmm. in order to get the most the most benefit to their um, to their uh, clients and and patients. Yeah, um, I think that is a really uh, important piece that helps my clients see the um, 
that they are getting the best care. They are getting the most current care. They are getting the most up-to-date care because they know that I'm in this, uh, you know, I'm, I'm in this, um, um, in the weeds, let's say, of, you know, what's happening through, through the foundation. You know, we have, um, we have a bunch of resources that we, uh, we fund along with the registered massage therapist of British Columbia. Mm -hmm. We fund the International Journal of Therapeutic Massage and Bodywork. And we are so fortunate to have such a lovely journal like IJTMB. Um, it's open access, which means we get the whole entire article, um, not just an abstract. And then you have to then there's a paywall behind it. So so we're able to see all of the information um, on top of that. The uh, the authors do not have to pay to submit their articles to the IJTNB either. And that's kind of a unicorn in, you know, in uh, professional journals. And uh, I would think most that- most people don't realize it, that that's that's increasingly becoming a, a case in a lot of academic publishing for sure for sure um so so the that part of the vision that accessible to everyone part um that open access free for the free for the consumer and free for the author i think you know it really meets that part of the vision um you know to to just to have all of this rich information at our fingertips uh, quarterly, right? So mm-hmm. it's fully online. Also, it's peer reviewed. It's PubMed indexed. All of the the gold standards of rigor of of uh, of, of research go into the journal. So, um, so, so if you haven't subscribed to the journal yet, it doesn't cost you anything. They don't throw any spam your way, right? So you get four emails a year. The journal, the journal's ready. Um, and then you can either right. download it or, or or print it, whatever whatever your fancy is. And if somebody wanted to get that and subscribe to it, and they don't, they can go to what is where is the site where they can go to. And we will of course put this in the show notes as well here. For sure, uh, you can go directly to ijtmb.org, and there's also a link through massagetherapyfoundation.org as well. Yeah, wonderful. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, we we also have infographics that I've been using um, in my in my office as well, where we're taking again, we're taking these these um, uh, more recent research uh, concepts and we're distilling them down into really digestible parts, not only for the practitioner, uh, but there are some that are appropriate for me to give my clients. So I just, you know, those are free to download off the Massage Therapy Foundation website. Mm-hmm. Um, it communicates to your client that you are interested in always being up to date. Um, and, you know, my, my clients really appreciate and feel cared for um, know, knowing that, um, you know, I have tools like this to give them. Um, so the uh, we have free we have webinars that uh, you can earn CE um uh, credit for um, we have past ones that you can yeah you can watch uh, on our website. Um, you know we we have what's let's see we have a every three years we have a um, international massage therapy research conference, which attracts researchers from all over the world to uh, to come talk about the work that they're doing. And um, really gives us an opportunity to 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 see in real time the research that's going on. Yeah. 
These are, you know, wonderful um, initiatives too. That the the foundation is it's great to see them getting involved in all these different programs. You also have an, a a grant program there, right? That you do uh, with the foundation. We have a, yeah, we have a few grant programs. So uh, I mentioned the community service grant review committee. Mm-hmm. Um, so this provides uh, funds to projects that are uh, providing massage therapy to populations that wouldn't otherwise have access. Mm-hmm. And some of the I'm, I've been on that committee since Tim invited me on that committee. I think 07 or 08 might, might have been uh, what I joined the committee. And to see the the breadth of work that is getting funded all over the world um for you know uh pediatric cancer veterans uh domestic violence survivors um uh conditions that uh you know uh, we've we've had some that were disaster recovery you know so really kind of current uh you know current situations uh as far as like they're impacted by um you know kind of uh, nature's events and things like that, fires and things like that. There's a, a group of, of people who would come in and, and provide not only to the the victims, but also the the uh, you know firefighters and EMTs and everybody who's working on the front lines. So so there are there's really um, you know it's heartwarming to see all of those types that we've funded, and you can see the past history on our website of everybody who got funded. Um, it's also heartbreaking to say no to the other applicants because really almost every application is worthy of, of funding. Um, and you know, there's, there's a limit to the amount that, that we can fund in the moment. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, so that's, a the community service pillar, which is, which is really, really fantastic. And I'm, I'm hoping that we can, we can take some of that community service, um, uh, information and turn it into some research. So, so we also have two different types of research grants. We have a a smaller thirty thousand dollar grant um, um, for for research that we that we fund internally uh, through the foundation. Um, those are really exciting because often we'll see that be seed money for for a pilot program and then that the successes from that smaller grant then get to um the the researcher then gets to to um apply for larger grants from nih etc yeah um so so um one that some, yeah what are some of the research programs research uh, questions and things that have been pursued by the foundation so far so so one of the thirty thousand dollar grants um, it, uh, that we funded a few years ago was really an implementation study, which is exciting for the industry. So, so what the implementation study does, it's not this, you know, I'm going to take this client in here and do this protocol. And it feels very clinical, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. an implementation, an implementation study, is more about integrating the massage into a full care system. Uh, where the massage therapist is part of the team, and um, and the the client you know sees the massage therapist in the massage therapist environment, you know not um, not in this like hey you're coming for this this study or this trial, and it's this very regimented which we need we need those things too and we we have funded things like that, um, but the implementation study was really profound because it was it was integrated in a, a full whole person care team. 
So you're really um, trying with something like an in implementation study, you're really trying to look at maybe more kind of realistic um, aspects of how massage is regularly used. I know this has been one of my beefs with a lot of the massage research over the years is yeah. that they take something in the clinic and in many instances study it because that's what we can study. Like, let's see what happens if we do, you know, somebody's got this kind of problem, we'll do, you know, 10 minutes of petrissage on their knee or something like that. It's like, but Correct. nobody does that. <laughs> so it's just nobody not does that. Yes, for sure. Right. And that and that's really the um the the I don't want to say the charge of the foundation because we're we're meeting it. You know, it's it's our you know our um our vision and mission is to make sure that massage therapists are doing the massage work in a, in a true massage environment, um, and and really encouraging. Um, when we when we ask people for you know uh, we did a research uh, a research agenda back in 2020 as as an effort to put a call out for like this is what we're looking for you know for research and we're advocating that massage therapists do the massage work not a nurse or a loved one and not that that's um, unusable information but uh, we want to show that uh, an educated and skilled compassionate practitioner. Um, it makes a difference in in the outcome. So mm -hmm. the implementation study is a piece of that. Yeah. Um, and and the the research that we that we fund and propose that's part of the rigor is that a massage therapist is doing is doing the massage work. Mm -hmm. um, we we do also have larger studies. Um, most of them have been uh, funded in kind support from the American Massage Therapy Association. So we're we're grateful for them for. For funding those bigger projects that are, you know, two hundred eighty-five thousand, three hundred thousand, three hundred fifty thousand um, dollars. One that's happening right now got stalled a little bit because of COVID, um, but again is looking at integrating massage therapy into a a, a veterans uh, into the VA. So, so the the bonus of that is here in the states for everybody who's, who's listening from from the United States. Uh, is that once something gets through and implemented in the VA mm -hmm. uh, and through the military, we see kind of a, a really quick upswing into into civilian life as far as uh, yeah. you know it it being adopted into um, into non military settings. Mm -hmm. uh, so so it's exciting to have that. We appreciate the AMTA for for helping uh, fund that fund that research. Um, we should have a decent amount of data coming out of that for the next uh, um, MTRIC, uh, International Massage Therapy Research Conference. So I'm, I'm really excited to see that. Um, and th there's there's all we could go on and on about the the, the research being funded. And, and um, you know, I'm, I'm really going to encourage the your listeners to go to the Massage Therapy Foundation website in order to see kind of what's currently happening and what's happened in the past. Yeah. And one of the places where it, it feels to me like, you know, there's a lot of potential for a, maybe, let's say, growth or or expansion of awareness about this is um, yeah. having the students who are just coming into this field understand and know a little bit more about what the foundation does. Do you all do any kind of outreach work with massage schools to try to help them kind of get on board with, with what you're doing at the foundation? We do. Uh, so, so the education arm of our the education pillar of the foundation really helps to um, helps to educate schools and students on uh, research literacy and uh, 
Whitney's going to be on our podcast uh, in a in a few weeks or so mm-hmm. to to talk about the basics of research literacy course, um, uh, which I think will be really fantastic for schools. But you know, um, for for those schools that are are um, accredited by the Commission of Massage Therapy accreditation, uh, there is a research literacy component that they have to meet, and we have all of the information for that. We have a free ebook with a full curriculum, how to teach massage literacy in a massage curriculum. Uh, excited that we have uh, we have a, a school uh, a school group out in California, uh, NHI, uh, NHI that, um, that um, is starting to use these resources to implement. We're hoping to, that others uh, other schools can um you know, re- reach out to that school group and see how they're doing it. But we really, we have a free ebook. It's all there. Um, so, um, you know, it's, it seems far away, you know, when you're just, you're learning, you know, how to stand the right way and what an effleurage is and when not to massage, yeah. right? It seems, wow, you know, research literacy seems, seems so far from what, where I am now. Uh, but it's really about the habit of making sure that you're in it, right? It's creating the habit. It's not, it's not necessarily oh, like now you know now I'm ready to write a research paper. Mm-hmm. Uh, and some some students will be right. Yeah. There there are some there are some students who who that's their jam and 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 whatnot. But really, it's about um, just being informed, right? Mm-hmm. Just just having the most up to date information. The foundation is a perfect place for that. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, so so we do we do quite a bit of outreach to schools and and um, you know we could always be we o- could always be doing more. So mm-hmm. so if you're listening to this and you are a you know director of education or or an admin at um, uh, entry level massage school, please reach out and uh, you know let's talk about how we can we can make this really easy for you. We have it all. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know one of the things that I have always felt was kind of a a challenge of getting a greater acceptance with with research into some of our educational programs and institutions is that massage therapy education, at least in the United States, really doesn't sort of fit that traditional academic model that you see in a lot of other, let's say, for example, healthcare professions, you know, physical therapy, occupational therapy, nursing, all those other professions have kind of an academic curriculum background in them that is based on a wider body of research. And and we have more of a lineage model of education that yeah. has immersed or emerged over the years where somebody started a school and they trained some teachers and those teachers trained the other students and those yeah. students became yeah. teachers of that particular method or model. And it never has been really strongly leaned on um, from a research perspective. But it has been interesting for me to watch over the last 35 or so years I've been in the field a migration towards a much stronger emphasis on research and validation of the things that we're doing and, and that kind of thing. So um, I, I'm pleased to see us certainly going in that direction. But one of the things that I want to ask you about in relation to that was that, you know, we all do recognize, I think, in this field that we have a very, uh, you know, a significant shortage of research about massage in a lot of different realms. And, um, you know, we we sort of put the clarion call out there all the time like yeah we need more research we need more research we need more research but when when you talked at the very beginning of of your introduction here about you know sort of an evidence-informed perspective um can you talk just a little bit about like what from a research perspective in terms of how that really 
informs a person's work. If there if there's not necessarily a study they can go point to that says, you know, massage does this, um, how does this whole idea of evidence informed practice and 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 using, you know, research from other fields play into us making some of those kinds of decisions about um, you know, what's really appropriate for us to be doing? You know, I, I think I think when we look at what other fields might be doing, um, part of how they got there was because there was a bunch of lower level on the hierarchy of research, right? There was a bunch of lower level um, case reports that they were able to pull from to then do higher level, mm-hmm. uh, higher level um, research from that. And we had a really, the foundation had a really big, big case report push. Oh man, maybe it was a decade ago or so. I remember Michael Hamm was kind of the the, the champion of, of the case report uh, back in the day. And the the brilliance of the case report i have so many practitioners that come up to me while we're you know at a convention and at the expo booth and they can't wait to tell me about this client that they helped with their you know with their massage and i just want to tell them to write it down right yeah, so right. so that that case report contest we we've we've um uh, had a case report t- contest for schools we had one for practitioners, which we put on pause for a little bit, but now we're putting some energy behind that because it's one massage therapist, one client over, you know, I think the the group is requiring at least six uh, treatments. And, you know, we if we just if so, there's 300,000 massage therapists approximately in the States, right? If everybody did one case report. Just mm-hmm. one. Tell me yeah. about that favorite client. Yeah. Can you imagine the amount of information we have to pull on mm-hmm. in order to just create that higher level? So, so as far as you know, the importance of doing that, it's like you're telling people what's happening in the treatment room by a, by a licensed practitioner over the course of time. We all know that you have that client that you helped. If you let us know that, we get that higher level easy. Easy, mm-hmm. just one. We're asking for six weeks, right? We're asking for six weeks of information. So anyway, um, when when we look at you know some of the studies, I I tend to gravitate towards when I'm doing my own research about a particular condition or something of that nature. Um, I tend to see acupuncture. I tend to see physical therapy, kind of in those realms of of research. We can do it. Yeah. Uh, you you know we we can do um this really easily and there's tons of help we have a uh, we have a webinar i think we have a webinar on um how to write a case report we have a couple of research perch podcasts that talk about how to write a case report um i'm i'm charging myself with this uh you know uh write, writing this case report yeah. also um and and there's there's really no reason why we can't mm-hmm. um you know it's not going to take up too much time um and there is there's a lot of opportunity for you to be able to be a part of this process without having you know that that higher degree that you might think that you need to do research yeah we have um we we um are have instituted 
MassageNet, which is the foundation's um, practice-based research network. So MassageNet is is free to uh, it's free to be in uh, it's free to join at least at this moment. Um, and we really encourage everybody to put your profile on there. You're not committing yourself to anything. But if there's a, a practitioner in your, if there's a researcher in your area and they're looking at how massage therapy might impact multiple sclerosis, let's say, right? So so they'll look in MassageNet, hey, in these zip codes, which, uh, which practitioners are part of this practice-based research network? Hey, we're doing a study on massages impact on on MS. Are you interested? And you say yes or no. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're doing, you're contributing to research with your skill set in your environment. And um, you know, it's a really great way to to connect uh, connect both practitioner and and researcher. So and highly a, kind of yeah, it's a kind of mm-hmm. like um, then sort of case report information that goes into the practice based network network that people can pull on. Um, uh, so, so the, the case reports wouldn't be stored there, although I wouldn't imagine that there would be, uh, a, ability to have access to them, uh, mm-hmm. from that point. So, um, you know, uh, in our contest, there is a, there's a cash prize. If you, if you get a gold, gold level, there's a cash prize. If you publish at IGTMB, so the case reports get, can get published in IGTMB too. So, yeah. um, you know, they, Yes, yes, they exist, um, and you know uh, we can we can contact our our research committees to to talk about the accessibility of of all of those case reports that are done. Okay. Yeah, I want to mm-hmm. just take off on a little bit of a different track here now. And and yeah. you mentioned a couple things early on, and and you know I've certainly have been seeing this more popping up more and more in a lot of the um, academic discussions in other podcasts, articles, blogs. Uh, papers and things like that about the the various changes in academic publishing. Some things like you know you mentioned uh, authors having to pay to get their articles yeah. submitted into journals, and the yeah. um, you know uh, sort of the the problems that we have with uh, improper or ineffective um, research getting published into journals. I have to share this. I saw this note the other day on the uh, this on a maybe on a Facebook group or something like that that was discussing. The use of, of artificial intelligence and that uh, the big tool that everybody's talking about this year, Chat GPT, and mm-hmm. they were talking about something where a paper, an academic research paper, got published in this journal, um, and somehow or other, obviously the the authors had used Chat GPT extensively for producing the paper because they left the phrase regenerate response in the text that they submitted with their article. Oh, man. But the thing that was distressing about that was not only that they did it, but how did that get past the editorial review process and get published um, without, and, you know, the authors obviously signed off on the the editorial version before it went in there. It's just, it seems like a lot of um, challenges and things that are happening now in the realm of academic publishing and and it's been kind of like a little bit of a black eye on on everybody who's been trying to say how important it is to pursue research. And then there's a lot of these kinds of things that come up and say like, well, you know, there's all these kinds of problems here as well. So my question out of that for you is like, <laughs> what are some of the major challenges and things that you see the foundation having to look at and come, you know, as you're looking down the road with the the five and 10 year visions of the the big things that the that are, that are challenges for the foundation in the world of massage. What are some of the big things that you see coming down the pike? Um, 
you know, so AI could be a really great tool for for organizing, right? And uh-huh. and you know, certainly, um, certainly as we as we push out more communications and try to get more more awareness uh, for the foundation in particular. Um, you know, technology is going to be going to be a piece of that. And, you know, we have uh, we have dedicated and um, and affirmed within the within the organization to make sure that it's not the voice that that it's the um, you know, that it's um, a tool to help, but not the voice of the foundation. Mm-hmm. Um, so so as far as like other challenges that, you know, I would say that. Funding is always a challenge, right? Because research is expensive. It's it's time sensitive. It takes it's time sensitive, and it takes a long time, which is a hard which is a hard place, uh, you know, kind of kind of to meet. But um, you know, I think getting that information in front of the people who are making decisions about healthcare is always challenging because of you know who who's going to listen. You know, is is it you know maybe we could go to a certain um integrative health uh, conference which is something that we're we're looking to budget for next year is to be be more involved outside of the massage industry so mm-hmm. that those implementation studies make sense yeah. uh, so that we can see more of that so that we can see that integrated care should include massage therapy from massage therapists so i think access to our allied health professions and uh, um we're seeing more acceptance, but there's still barriers to get there, right? There's still funding barriers. There's still time barriers. There's still, you know, human resource barriers uh, to be able to to get there and be impactful. So, uh, so I think, you know, as far as the foundation's challenges in particular, um, you know, the f- funding is is probably the the biggest challenge. You know, we're we are a nonprofit, so we we require um, we require donations in order to make our programming run. So it's so it's really to increase our visibility, which is why I'm super grateful about uh, being a guest on this podcast because the the impact comes from not just one or two bigger organizations giving us money, but from all of us, right? To to yeah, to give them give a dollar here and there, yeah. right? You know. Like I had said with the case report, if there's if there's three hundred thousand practitioners and everybody did one case report, if there's three hundred thousand practitioners and everybody gave one dollar, well, then we have a we have a large research study funded by the massage therapists of this country. I think that's a really kind of you know I I know it's rose colored glasses and all of that, but that's that's who I am. You got to think, <laughs> yeah, you got to think that way for sure. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm yeah. curious that so many of the uh, nonprofits and other organizations that relied on individual funding had a very difficult time with COVID just because everybody was impacted financially. Did you all see as challenges and things like that that came out of, you know, funding sources for during COVID we as did. well? Yeah. We did. Yeah, we we uh we had a we had a dip in in donations. Uh, of course, you know, of course we did. We didn't want to uh we didn't want to um uh, stretch our 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 stakeholders and our and our donors um, d- during that time. Um, um, we were able to really cut a lot of uh, operational things uh, in order to uh, you know just just reduce our our operational costs. Mm-hmm. We're still kind of feeling that as as the industry is coming up out of it, and um, um, you know the the future looks bright, but but certainly COVID was was uh, negatively impactful for for the foundation for sure. 
Yeah. I'm also curious mm-hmm. about this because I don't know the answer to this and I don't know that I've really ever given it much thought before. But when you talked about um, some of the studies that you were doing of trying to you know, look at how massage is being inclusively engaged into some of these other professions, are there corresponding sister and brother professions in these other fields, you know, physical therapy, occupational therapy, nursing, et cetera, et cetera? Are there similar foundations or organizations like ours that exist in those in those fields? I know that there's a, a APTA Foundation, American Physical Therapy Association Foundation. I've been trying to <laughs> I've been trying to get in touch with somebody who's on the on the board for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's a great place to start. Um, our the the chair of our our writing committee, uh, Andrea Windsor, is also um, getting her MS for um, mental health um, as a mental health practitioner, and she saw an opportunity. Um, through her through her studies to um, to connect with their foundation as well and their organization because they they are also seeing everybody's kind of seeing their the opportunity for integration in their own little silo mm-hmm. so now it's just really building that bridge yeah and I'm, I'm encouraging uh your listeners that if, if you have um occupations that you refer to a lot you know talk to those people talk to those those referral partners and and um even if it's getting connected to somebody on on a on a foundation level on their profession or if it's just starting that conversation i think the more conversations we have the better it's going to be it's where that pbrn that practice based research network then starts to really take shape um, so, so that we can that we can really do what what we want to do, which is provide this whole person wellness and whole person healthcare for uh, for our communities. Um, yeah, I, th- I think more of us want that than not. Yeah, you know, sometimes an organization like the foundation can seem, you know, sort of like it's out there, away from us. It's something that's happening yeah. out there. But I wanted to know, like, do you have a maybe a personal story or two of things that you've seen? In terms of impact of the foundation's work directly either on your clients your practice or something like that that can get people to understand and be inspired by the work that the foundation has done man i i feel like my whole practice is based on <laughs> is based <laughs> yeah. on that um you know and i'm not saying this to be self-serving but i'm just kind of showing the you know the the full spectrum of the story i let my clients know that you know a portion of their massage is, is being donated to the foundation right uh-huh. so when they when they check out on my online system like hey a portion's going to the foundation it helps me stay up to date and give you the best care mm-hmm. um and you know do you want to throw a dollar to mm-hmm. the foundation too they add a dollar onto their their appointment and then yeah that got me thinking they, you know with all those um you, automated checkout systems now at every like yeah. every single place you go now it's like okay do you want to add an 18 percent tip on there it's like when did you start tipping the you know like dog food grocery store or <laughs> so but maybe grocery we need stores to do that with our with our uh, massage sessions here like do you want to add yeah. a tip for the massage therapy foundation or something yeah, like that yeah yeah i mean that i mean it's essentially what it is yeah um but then what then what happens there is they start asking questions about what does that foundation do? And I get to right. share all of these resources yeah. mm-hmm. um, and they feel really cared for. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there there are um, there's less hesitation 
for me to say, I don't know, I never really had a big hesitation saying, I don't know, but there, mm-hmm. there's always, you know, you're in a position of, of power for less, you know, for lack of a better word of authority mm-hmm. in that treatment room. So if they know that you're in it, if they know that you're constantly looking at the resources, if they know that you, um, that you care about, um, you know, providing them the best care for the best outcome, mm-hmm. then, um, then they, they keep coming back to you. You know, the, you, you see your books full, you see your, um, you see your clients really, um, advocate for, for massage therapy to be a part of their healthcare, to be a part of their wellness. You know, that's, it's, um, you know, unfortunately we're still in a, in a spot where, where massages. I'm going to say expensive, right? As massages mm-hmm. is something that people will, if they have to choose between eating and massage, they're probably going to choose to eat. Yeah. Right. Where, where we know, we know it, you know, mm-hmm. we know that massage works. We know that, you know, evidence, uh, an evidence informed practice by, you know, a skilled practitioner creates these wonderful outcomes and we have a responsibility to share that. So, so sharing it with, um, you know, sharing it with allied health professionals, sharing it with your clients, um, they're they're going to keep coming back to you because they're going to see that uh, they're going to see that integrating this as part of their lifestyle is going to is going to lead to um, to to a more a more robust life. Um, j- just as a, a financial planner will not say that like, hey, you should have a portfolio of all small cap stocks, right? You know, they're yeah. going to diversify your portfolio. So so massage should be part of that d- diversification for sure. Um, and, you know, ho- hopefully, you know, when we talk about the the impact and why are we doing this research and where do we hope that it lands and certainly there are some challenges industry wide you know kind of the debate between you know personal care services and healthcare you know is a consistent debate in our in our industry but at least we can show that like hey here are the outcomes that can happen with massage therapy um you know and here are the implementation studies here are the are the uh integration studies um that this is working as part of this ecosystem um I I, th- I think that's, you know, I, I know it's a little bit of a tangent of, of your original question, but I think the foundation is where we look to for those resources in order to show people that where whoever needs to see it. Yeah. And I think, you know, what you brought up there, too, is a very interesting and pertinent point that these things actually impact the outcomes of your treatment when those clients have a greater deal of confidence in who you are and what you're doing and like... Yeah. I know Adrian keeps up on the research and she's really interested in, yeah. you know, bringing in new things to, you know, look at what's going on with me. They have mm-hmm. a greater, uh, a much greater investment in, in you as a practitioner too. And, and I think that's, it's a little bit harder to quantify, but that's one of those things that I think makes a big difference in, in outcomes and, and consistency and, and reliability of, of the, what they count on you as a practitioner to accomplish and bring to them. You you wrote a, in one of your books about all of these. Uh, there's like six different components, um, and and one of them was you know a compassionate therapist, right? So so a, a compassionate therapist who who's again up to date on their info and 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 whatnot is is surely more likely to have a better outcome than a like than a distant distracted therapist who doesn't care, right? 
Yeah. Um, and and that that was really impactful to me when I when I read that section of your book was just like, man, this is there is something to this. I'm hoping that we can, um, you know, there's a, there's the soft, the soft skills side to what we do, which is equally as important as the actual technique. Do I think it's more important? I don't know. You know, there's, there's debate over that. And my, my peers and I tend to have this conversation over, you know, uh, over the, the, the social service side of what we do versus the, the physical service side. Mm -hmm. I think they're, they're equal components, um, um, to, to what we do that that makes it really beautiful. I'm hoping to see some research that, um, you know, in the future, I'm hoping to see some research that talks about tableside manner and, and things of that nature. Um, and, um, you know, right, right now we, we have some more, more mechanistic things, uh, uh, in, in the works as far as, uh, as far as research is concerned, it certainly doesn't have to end there. The more, the more that we search, the more that we, um, that we really kind of have this this symphony of information that we can um, really have the best outcomes for our, for our patients and clients. Yeah. So I want to just sort of um, in kind of uh, wrapping things up a little bit here. I have you kind of like put on the the look toward the future and look down the pike hat for just a moment. And say like anything in particular that you see coming down the pike uh, for the foundation in terms of that really excites you and and where we're going and what, what impacts that's going to have. I liked, uh, I was really curious what you were saying too about the, for example, the the VA system is being kind of a filter for credibility um, mm -hmm. for acceptance on some things. There's, there seems like there may be some more of that kind of thing going on. And, and of course the, the research work that we're doing, but uh, what else do you kind of like see coming down there that you're excited about those that the foundations working on? There's conversation about talking about ancient forms of healing and looking at um, the, the the research, you know, and researching kind of those things and keeping those cultures alive, um, and and you know, kind of honoring the cultures they come from and looking at the histories of where they are. So yeah. it's super infant. It, it's really infant stages. It's really, really just a conversation right now. But man, am I excited to see that? You know, if if we can. I don't think I'll see it in my time in the presidency or even on the board. Mm -hmm. um, but um, I'm really excited about um, uh, the cultural diversity that that brings. I'm really excited about the the history that stays alive with that. I'm really, you know, touches a universal language that, you know, we get to experience that every day to be able to to see the parallels of the languages uh from ancient cultures man that would be really really cool yeah um so so i think i think you know i'm i i'm probably speaking way prematurely <laughs> yeah my uh board and staff listen to the, this podcast they're gonna be like what <laughs> uh but but there is, there is some conversation around it and um you know, I, I think if we have our eye on that, that diversity piece and the, the cultural sensitivity piece, again, some things that we funded um, um, talk about cultural sensitivity as well, which I'm really excited about. Um, you know, I think we're really we're really going in the right direction of whole person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah. so I'm, I'm excited about that. That sounds wonderful. Well, <laughs> Adrian asked a president of the Massage Therapy Foundation. Thank you so much for this. Uh, engaging discussion here. And I hope I'm going to say, please, those of you who are listening out there in massage and manual therapy world, get in touch with the Massage Therapy Foundation. 
um, throw some donation funds their way, read their resources, look at the things that they've got available here. There's a lot of things that we can be interacting with as a profession that the foundation has out there and that can just do nothing but help us all advance and get farther. So, uh, Adrian, thank you so much for coming to join us here on The Thinking Practitioner and talk about these things. Thanks, Whitney. Yeah. So, and you had mentioned uh, in your talk also earlier, oh, let me, uh, real quick before we finish off, Adrian, just let me know uh, any places where you want to suggest that people go to find out more about what the foundation is up to. I think you mentioned the website earlier, but let's just plug it again and we will make sure we put that in the show notes and everything. Massagetherapyfoundation.org, IJTMB.org, massagenet.org. Okay, excellent. Yeah. All right. So we'll get all those things, make sure they are in the show notes. And uh, you had uh, called attention earlier when you were talking about something else to Books of Discovery. And uh, they are, of course, one of our sponsors. Books of Discovery has been a part of massage therapy education for over 20 years, where thousands of schools around the world teach with their textbooks, e-textbooks, and digital resources. And Books of Discovery does like to say learning adventures start here, and they see that same spirit here on the Thinking Practitioner podcast and are proud to support our work knowing we share the mission to bring the massage and bodywork community enlivening content that advances our profession. You can check out their collection of e-textbooks and digital learning resources for pathology, kinesiology, anatomy, and physiology at booksofdiscovery.com, where Thinking Practitioner listeners can save 15% by entering the word thinking at checkout. And once again, we would like to say thank you to all of our listeners who've come by and listened to us. You can stop by our sites for the video, show notes, transcripts, and any extras. You can find that over on my site at academyofclinicalmassage.com and then over on TILS as well at advanced-trainings.com. If you have any comments, questions, or things you'd like to hear us talk about, please just record a short, short little voice memo or send us an email on your phone and you can email it to us at info at thethinkingpractitioner.com or you can look for us on social media under our names uh, for me under Whitney Lowe and of course Till Luca over there on social as well. If you would please write us on Apple Podcasts. It does help people find the show and that uh, makes a big difference in getting the word out there about it. You can listen to us of course on Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean or wherever else you happen to listen. So once again, please do share the word and tell a friend. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you again in the next time. <laughs>